Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in. Another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, where we are breaking down District 4 activities week in, week out here in the great state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey, and we are joined by our District 4 resident and expert, the Spaz-tastic Scott Burton. What's up, Scott? Oh, you know what? It was going to be fantastic because it was a great weekend. A uh, little Eric Church, a Ram victory over the Sea Chickens and uh, front and center for that one. So it was going to be fantastic until I woke up this morning. And, uh, you know, I, I'm still working on the backstory of, of how I tweaked my back. But in the upper right portion of my back, just yeah, just started spazzing. And so I've been dealing with that all morning. And right now I'm hooked up to like these electrode things. And so if all of a sudden my, my back just, and then I come back like this, it's because those shocker things are, are taking me down. Oh, dude, get, getting old sucks, man. It's just, you, you reach down to tie your shoe and next thing you know, you're out for three days. It's like, oh, come on. So I'm going to work on my backstory uh, about how I hurt my back, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to involve a, like wrestling a bull or a bear or something. This I'll, is ridiculous. I'll, a literal back story. Oh, story look that you're at back. you. Okay. All right. I feel good about your transitions today now. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'll think, I think the mojo is off a little bit because of the internet, but I, I feel good about this one. Yeah. I think this is going to be a banner show today. Uh, certainly. Uh, I will say my wife one time, you know, she works out uh, every day and she kind of the same thing in her upper back. She's like, oh man, it's by her shoulder blade it was really sore you know i was massaging it every day it wasn't getting any better she finally went into the doctor she she had dislocated she had dislodged a rib did you know you have ribs up by like your like upper back well, they're little tiny ones that? how about that oh geez yeah that's uh that's probably what i did i think i was working out and just threw a couple <laughs> ribs around and you know it's just how i am I, i've probably had this for years and i've just been so tough that it's just you know now you know, making itself known. So, I mean, that's probably what happened. You were, you were, you really threw it out. Uh, either a dancing at the Eric church concert or B <laughs> celebrating that Seahawks win or that yeah. uh, Rams win in Seattle. I may have been in a, in a sea of, of blue sea Turkey fans talking a lot of crap during that game. I may have been doing that. I'm not really sure. I don't remember, but chances are good. <laughs> Well, that, that Ram Seahawks game wasn't very competitive, but a very competitive game in the Magic Valley last Friday night as Canyon Ridge hosted Columbia. Now, these are two teams, if we're being honest here, two teams that haven't been major players uh, on a statewide level in, in 4A football, right? We don't think of Canyon Ridge and Columbia as juggernauts, but both teams have been very, very good in the early portion of the season, both led by fairly new coaching staffs and at Canyon Ridge, a brand new head coach in, in Juan Alvarado. Um, but this, this was a fascinating game between two schools, two programs that I think are really on the rise. Canyon Ridge gets the win in overtime, 40 to 34. Scott, this was a wild one. Yeah, it, it was, you know, and it was up in Boise. And so, oh, yeah, sorry. Yep. Yeah. And the, the way that the whole thing started was, was really interesting because they, Canyon Ridge on the way up there gets caught in this Boise traffic. And it, if you've not been through 
rush hour up in Boise, then you just forget your plans for the next couple hours. So they really didn't even get to the field until almost six o'clock, you know, and plus on top of that, they had nine starters that, that didn't play the first quarter because they missed practice. So here they are just run into the field. They're down nine starters for a quarter. And so needless to say, they, they, they got off to a little slow start, um, but uh, obviously able to rally. And uh, in fact, in that first half, they were down six with about a, you know, a, a buck 45 left to go in the quarter. And uh, you know, the, the guy that's really stepping it up for him right now is our captain Connor Willis. And he led a drive um, that was capped off with a touchdown right before half uh, to tie it up. And so, you know, it was, a, it was a good game. And then from there, here we go, back and forth. Yeah, this ended up being a really uh, fascinating finish where Columbia would get up and then Canyon Ridge would answer. I mean, how, how many times did they have to answer the bell? Oh, geez, when you get uh, all the time. I mean, it was never one of those games to where, I mean, it was, it was punch and counterpunch. You know, one scores, the other scores, one scores, the other scores. Here comes this, here comes that. It wasn't just a a comeback. It was just, I don't know who's going to be the last one standing really. Uh, and, and you get in basketball games like that, it's going to be who has the ball last. And uh, well, it kind of like this one too, because this one went into overtime and, and uh, I'll get to a little fun fact of what happened in overtime, but uh, you know, Canyon Ridge had a really good performance, not only from, from Willis, the quarterback, but uh you know, Caleb Summers, 115 yards receiving and three touchdowns uh, through the air and a running touchdown, too. So Canterbury has got something going there. Summers and Willis lighten it up. Yeah, so there's five minutes, roughly five minutes to go in regulation. We're tied at 21 all. And Columbia's quarterback, his name is Jared Payne, and pretty pretty regularly he leads Columbia in passing and rushing and is usually the top tackler on defense. He's that talented of a player. He scores on a rushing touchdown. Columbia takes a 28 to 21 lead. And again, there's about five minutes to play. Well, Columbia decides to go for the two point convert or excuse me, uh, Canyon Ridge then answers 17 yard touchdown pass from Willis. Um, but Canyon Ridge misses the point after Scott. So it's, 28 27 so the riverhawks are now down one having to hopefully get a stop on columbia they don't uh canyon ridge decides to go for an onside kick columbia recovers um and then the wildcats score on a 55 yard touchdown run and you're thinking oh man this is a backbreaker columbia decides to go for the jugular and go for the two-point conversion which would have put them up by two scores essentially would have put the game out of reach they don't get the two-point conversion which leaves that door ever so slightly cracked for Canyon Ridge. Um, they had to uh, march the ball down the field, though, two-minute drill. Uh, and actually, there was about a minute to play in regulation. Canyon Ridge is down a score. Um, and, and it winds up being at the three-yard line with three seconds to play in regulation. And Willis throws the game-tying touchdown. Extra point is through. And that's how we get to overtime tied at 34-34. What an incredible finish in regulation. You're at the three with three seconds left and, and knowing you have to score. Uh, and then how about the kicker making the PAT after he had missed earlier in the fourth? Yeah, yeah, boy, what a what an exciting game. And then, you know, you get to overtime and they got down there through the arm of Willis, the guy throwing the football that just was the general out there on the field. And and here's what happened in overtime is, is 
up until this point, Canyon Ridge has had just a, a, an incredible amount of success throwing the football. So they get into overtime and they're, they're asking their quarterback and they're playing, okay, what pass play do we want to run? What pass play do we want to run here in overtime? And Willis goes, let's run the football. And everybody just stepped back and went, uh, okay, let's listen to our guy. First play, run the football into the end zone touchdown. And so that is kind of how Canyon Ridge pulled away in overtime. And it was uh, kind of a, a, a really good leadership story from a guy that is kind of, like I said, the general of this team, Connor Willis. Yeah, he was obviously a talented player last year, but now there are expectations, right? Canyon Ridge, we talked about last year, we had their previous coach on the prep cast, Scott, for an interview and coach uh, Bubba Poole. And I think he laid the groundwork for a lot of what's happening at Canyon Ridge. And now Juan Alvarado stepped in and, and taken it up to the next level, uh, so to speak. And now there's expectations because last year, Canyon Ridge had a great record, but they still you know, missed out on the postseason. They got squeezed out. Um, they finished fourth behind Burley and Minico and Twin Falls, and they just didn't have a strong enough strength of schedule to get one of those at-large berths into the playoffs despite, you know, having a winning record and sub-500 teams got in ahead of them. So the expectations are now, okay, we need to take care of business on our end to ensure that we get a seat at the table. We can't leave it up to the computers. We got to earn it ourselves, and so far – they're passing the test. Yeah, so far, I mean, they're three and zero with uh, you know a couple of big wins, one over Caldwell, a shutout win, um, a twenty-one-seven victory over Wood River, and then of course this overtime win on the road at Columbia. Uh, next week they're at Ridgeview, so another long road trip uh, to keep it alive, and then they dive right back into the conference gauntlet you know, with Jerome and Minico and Mountain Home, and here comes everybody else. So, you know, I think in the, in the weeks to come, we'll see where Canyon Ridge stacks up, uh, especially when they go up against the, the Minicos and the Twins and the Burleys. And, and we'll, we'll see what they're made of at that point. But, you know, so far, you just got to applaud the effort the, of uh, Juan Alvarado and what he's been able to do. Because, you know, you can measure a lot by the excitement that somebody generates, you know, and, and for the longest time, I mean, we, we all know that Canyon Ridge has got five, a numbers, you know, they're a five, a school basically, but they could not put three football teams together. And for a five, a school that is not common, but Juan's got them back. So he's generated enough excitement now that, that he's got three teams, you know, and that alone speaks volumes to what he's been able to do, you know? So, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Wands. Uh, I know the guy, and um, I wish him nothing but success unless he plays Jerome. But I'm telling you, uh, he's doing some good things over there, and I'm excited for him. Yeah, this conference race is going to be interesting, Scott. To me, it's still Twin Falls is is the best team. You know, I I watch film. I look at how they're performing. I, to me, it's Twin Falls, and I know, you know, Minico still has something to say about that. I, I think Burley is still – a step off of those top two, especially now Burley loses to Shelly last week. Gatlin bear gets hurt on the third play of the game. Doesn't return um, for Burley. So, you know, we'll see what happens there, but yeah, I think beyond twin and Minico at the top, that third spot is up for grabs and why not Canyon Ridge? So it'll be interesting. Yeah, to why see. Not? yeah absolutely. And you talk about, you know, Gatlin bear. I mean, it was a, 
from the reports I'm getting was a, a little shoulder strain. Um, and they don't expect him to miss much time, maybe a week. Um, but he's obviously the, the straw that stirs that drink. And if he's gone, Burley struggles, you know? And so, yeah, they, they, if, if he's healthy, Burley can hang with just about anybody. So, but if he's not, boy, there opens the door for a team like Canyon Ridge. So we'll see how this, this conference schedule plays out when they begin that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it'll be really fascinating to see. Uh, let's go from uh, 4A, which is the highest level we cover in the Magic Valley, until next year when Canyon Ridge moves up. But uh, we're going to go all the way to the opposite end. Scott, we're going eight-man football. Uh, Valley and Glens Ferry got together uh, for their annual rivalry game. And I didn't realize the back the, the backstory on this um, rivalry until uh, Savannah uh, sent a message into us uh on the idahosports.com Facebook account. Um, and she kind of laid out the history of this rivalry and what they play for, which is the Stanley Trophy. It's a really incredible story that I had never heard of before, Scott. So thanks to Savannah for sending that in. And tell us a little bit about the Stanley Trophy. Well, you know, and, and the thing is, these are the stories that really make these games mean something. And, you know, it's these types of games that sometimes make these kids – and communities realize that, you know, there's some really important stuff going on here. And the Stanley trophy was, is something that started, gosh, a long, long time ago. And, and uh, it's kind of around Lynn and Kathy Stanley. And they kind of had ties to both of the Glens Ferry and Valley community. In fact, uh, Lynn graduated from Valley uh, as well as his brother, Mike, uh, who lived in Hazleton for a long time and he retired over to Twin, but they operated Stanley Hay together here in the Magic Valley. And uh, they had farms in both these communities. Well, after a while, Lynn and Kathy decided to uh, build a house and they were living in Paradise Valley, and which is kind of by Glens Ferry, right? And they were involved in a car accident. And obviously uh, both of them were lost in that accident. And their daughter, Amy, and son, Chester, I mean, they were in elementary school when this happened. And so, I mean, you hear those kinds of things, and man, your heart just breaks, you know, for having a little kids, all of a sudden, parents gone. And so the grandparents took them in, um, in Hazleton. And so you can see the ties between, you know, the two communities. And, uh, you know, and in fact, even uh, Valley High School, athletic director uh brian hardy you know he taught and coached chester uh, when he was an assistant football coach all four years of high school and, and chester graduated in 2000 so anyway so what they decided to do is to have this traveling trophy that would go to the winner of the glens ferry valley game and we all know that there were times where they were 11 man eight man you know they, they didn't play but when they did play in the same conference or the same brand of football, this was a huge deal. And when the season starts, this game is circled on the calendar because it does mean something uh, to both of these teams. And in fact, we've got a picture of this trophy um, <clears throat> that uh, they play for. And like I said, it's a traveling trophy and it, it means something to the school. And there it is right there. And you can see all the little placards on it that kind of tells you 
you know, who won, um, whatever. And, you know, Glenn Sperry won the first eight games, and that's when Bill Brock was coaching back in the day. Um, and, and that's when they went to four consecutive state title games, you know. And then 2000, um, Valley got it back, and then Glenn Sperry rattled off like nine more. And then since about 2010, it's been really pretty even back and forth. Valley winning seven, Glens Ferry winning five. Um, and then two years they didn't play just because of the 11-man, eight-man difference there. But it's really cool because they, they have a, an inscription on the trophy. And, and it reads, and this is what it says on the trophy. It, and, and all of the teams know it. And this is what it says. It says, the traveling trophy is in memory of Lynn and Kathy Stanley, who were members of both of our communities. This trophy is presented each year to the team winning the Glens Ferry Pilots Valley Vikings football game. Its purpose is to promote a strong, healthy rivalry between the two teams to encourage good sportsmanship and to inspire the players to compete at a higher level. All qualities that Lynn and Kathy admired and encouraged in student athletes. So a pretty cool story between the Valley Glens Ferry football game. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Uh, that that fa fatal car accident, Scott, happened in 1992, Ooh. April 13th, 1992. And I think the next year, um, yeah, the, the 92 that fall, the 92 football season, um, they came up with this idea to, to have the Stanley Trophy. Um, it's a really powerful story. And like I said, I didn't even know any of the background info or the history behind this. Uh, Lynn kind of jump-started the youth football program in, in Glens Ferry. He's the one that got the ball rolling on that. And so, uh, and then Lynn coached in Glens Ferry and uh, Kathy attended the games and she led the 4-H programs in Glens Ferry. So, and then the ties between the two communities, because when we think of, you know, rivals we don't necessarily think of glens ferry and valley right away they're not particularly like close to one another there's not a regional thing but uh this is an incredible story and an incredible rivalry and, and savannah summed it up best when she, when she sent in this story to us she said the trophy isn't just a thing it isn't a marketing gimmick it's a reminder a reminder of a family who contributed heartily to two communities i couldn't have said it any better so absolutely and it's a reminder never to take anything for granted because a single moment can change everything. Definitely. So in terms of the game on the field, Scott, Valley uh, retains the trophy. Uh, they get a 56 to 42 win. Both of these teams lighten up the scoreboard. They both got outstanding quarterbacks, Landon Stewart for Glenn Sperry and uh, for Valley. Um, they also have uh, an outstanding quarterback and a, and a good offense overall. Yeah, Josh Hardy does a great job running that offense. And, you know, this was a, a defensive battle, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you get with this. And this is awesome. I love it. Uh, but it was a really good game. And, you know, from Valley's standpoint, I mean, they got some really good performances to, to pull this thing out. I mean, they were all tied going into halftime. And, um, you know, and then they come out and they had a great third quarter. Uh, Drake Jones had a couple of big interceptions, uh, Daniel Juarez and Jonathan Zamudio with a couple of sacks that ended drives. And meanwhile, we talked about Hardy running the offense well. I mean, he was kind of the general. And then they had some big catches too. I mean, Pedro Robles, uh, Rosenborough, uh, Nathan Christensen, they all had key catches 
uh, to score or extend the drives. And uh, they put together a 28-point third quarter uh, to kind of get that win. Yeah, and anyone that knows their eight-man history will know Josh Hardy. Okay, well, big brother Jason Hardy was quarterback for Valley uh, 2017-18 and was the state player of the year in eight-man football. And so uh, the the family legacy continues there as well, and I'm sure opponents are going, oh, man, I thought we were done with these guys, but here comes another one. Yeah, isn't it funny how names are just tied to communities and they just kind of come in droves? It's like, really? We have 20 years of this name? Come on. You know, that's the way it is. And Hardy's a big name over there in in Valley, of course, with, you know, uh, the, the the boys and then Brian and the whole it's Hardy and Valley go together. That's right. Uh, it, and it, in terms of the team, it's going to be interesting to see can Valley punch their way into the top half of the league standings. They took their lumps last year. They were a very young team. Most of their players are back. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how they compete with Oakley and Raff River and Lighthouse and Kerry and Murtaugh and yeah, no, no picnic in, in this, in the saw to, or uh, the snake river conference, no doubt. No, so. not at all. And Valley's just been one of those teams that is like, are we eight man this year? Are we 11 man this year? Are we back and forth, back and forth? And you know, they had that, that great season of, of eight man football where they had all of those beasts there and they just dominated everybody a few years ago. And then they had to make, well, graduated everybody and then had to make the jump and just got, throttled and so it's nice to see them kind of back and back in the mix again because i mean it, there's some good people over there and and uh, it, it's a good school and right now they're off to a you know a good two and one start their only loss opening game loss to to butte county yeah and butte county is very good too so i will right. mention scott eight man football this friday night on idahosports.com it's our magic valley game night the Hatfields and the McCoys, Oakley and Raft River. We're coming to you oh live with, with the latest chapter in that rivalry series. So you don't want to miss that Friday night, 7 o'clock on IdahoSports.com. That's going to be a really fun game to tune into. So, Oh, absolutely. Anytime those two get together, you know, you've got <clears throat> Raft River coming in with a, a one and two record. They, they got upset by Lighthouse. Um, but Oakley, on the other hand, Man, what a what a power that is. And we talked a little bit about them already, and they come in with a two and one record. Their loss was to Kendrick, and that was a game that we talked about, I believe, last week or the week prior. Um, so again, records out the window when those two play. Yeah, I think the Oakley offense got right. 76 points, nine touchdowns against Murtaugh last week. Now Murtaugh put up some points too, but not 76. That's that's tough. So yeah, when you score 38 and you get doubled up, it's like Holy cow, maybe we ought to put some guys on defense. I don't know, but I think I think uh, Oakley may have just had uh, a little bit of a sting from that Kendrick loss. And it's like, you know, we got something to prove here. Because, you know, the thing is that we talked about with that Oakley team is we talked about the physicality part of it, you know, and how when they went up to Kendrick or in the, you know, in Albertson Stadium when they played Kendrick is they just got out physical. And you can bet that was a message heading into that Murtaugh game that we need to dominate physically and impose our will for four quarters. And uh, boy, did they do it as they hung 76 on Murtaugh. 
Yeah, so Oakley and Rap River this Friday, IdahoSports.com, 7 o'clock kickoff, Magic Valley game night. You do not want to miss it. Uh, speaking of teams that are sending messages and got something to prove, what a wild week it was in volleyball in the Great Basin Conference this past week, Scott, where you know we've talked about Canyon Ridge is a team on the rise. They've got a couple of Division One athletes and just tall girls uh, on the front line. And then Twin Falls has been the premier program, the last school not named Skyview to win a 4A state championship. <laughs> and then, you know, Wood River has been in the mix the past couple of years, but really it's been Canyon Ridge Twin Falls. Well, here comes Burley. And Burley knocks out the Bruins last week, hands Twin Falls their first loss of the season. What a breakthrough for the Bobcats volleyball program. Oh, yeah, no kidding. I mean, you're talking about, Twin Falls, who, like you said, is, you know, one of the top teams programs in the state and they turn around and they knock off Canyon Ridge, you know, and so if you're playing this measuring stick game, why not Burley? I mean, we talked about Canyon Ridge early on as being maybe the, the one team, at least the one team out of this area that could maybe give Skyview some trouble, you know, but they get beat by Twin. And, and Twins really been celebrating that because it's been a, a nice little springboard for their program. But for Burley, man, they beat Twin 3-2. to two and, they, and this is coming off of a, a 3 nothing loss to Minico. I mean, they got uh, shut out by Minico. And Minico's, you know, decent, but they're not, they're, not, they're not Canyon Ridge and they're not Twin. And boy, did Burley rebound. And this was... Um, uh, a really interesting game because the first two sets, I mean, they were really close, you know, and Burley, they go into every match and they always say, why not us? Why not us? Why not us? Because obviously they're heavy underdogs. Okay. And so um, they do something in practice and, and a lot of teams do this, but you know, Burley prides themselves on, on this particular thing right here. And, and it really helps them in coming from behind. They, they do a drill in practice to where, they set the score at 17-21, and they're 17, and whomever they're playing, you know, the other team on the other net, uh, other side of the net is 21. And so they've got to figure out a way to come from behind. they got to dial it in and focus and come from 21-17 down to win the game. And so they replicate that a lot in practice. Well, it just so happens that that kind of is how it started to play out a little bit, coming from behind, you know, showing that grit, you know, not quitting and – and uh, boy, they, they, they got it done. You know, the fourth set, um, they pretty much ran out of gas. They were looking like they were dragging. And, and it, it's funny because they took a, a timeout before the fifth set, fifth and final set. And during the timeout, uh, Stephanie Shirley, their head coach, shared with them a little story because, I mean, you're looking in the huddle and everybody is gassed. I mean, not just physically, but emotionally. I mean, this is something that, my gosh, we have just taken twin to a fifth game. We're not even supposed to be here. We should be home in bed right now, but this is, <laughs> this is going to happen. And they're drained, you know? And so she, she looks at her team and she was talking about the past weekend that she was um, doing a 16 mile hike to the top of Mount uh Timpanogos in Utah. And I hope I said that right. But uh, she said that there was a point during that hike where she was cold, she was tired and, 
and it was too steep and I want to quit. And she didn't know if she could make it. But in that huddle, she told him that focus one step at a time. And she did that and got to the top uh, where the storm cloud above the storm clouds, uh, the beautiful views are. And she kind of conveyed that message right before that fifth set to her team. And it's, you know, one of the things she said was it's the hard that makes it great. And her team just resonated with it. And next thing you know, they go out and they win that that fifth set and a knockoff twin. So um, a real cool story from inside the huddle that motivated a team to get it done. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, Burley is a team that, you know, if this were Hollywood, uh, you know, hey, we just beat twin and then they get on a roll and they win the whole enchilada. Well, that's not real life sometimes. And so they they follow up this win with twin with a loss to Wood River, a three to one loss. And so they're kind of on the roller coaster. But if they can get it steadied, I do like this Burley team. They've got some potential. But I also think you mentioned Minico beat Burley as well, three nothing. I think Minico is sneakily kind of a dangerous team, also lurking in this conference. I don't know. It, outside of Twin and Canyon, and and now maybe you have to include everybody else since they've both kind of stumbled. Um, yeah. this league is wide open. Well, it, it is. And, you know, and this is a Burley team that lost five seniors last year, too. So they're still trying to figure themselves out uh, along the way. And, and in fact, um, one of their starting medals, Ruby Taylor, a sophomore, she just started playing volleyball in July. Never played. And she's a starting middle, you know, but she's just one of those athletic, eager kids that's willing to learn. And they've got a freshman, um, Mari Robbins, you know, playing middle who's showing some potential. So there's a freshman and a sophomore right there in the middle playing. And then of course you've got the seniors, Tylee and Lorian that are kind of you know steady in the ship. Um, but uh, they've got a junior libero um, that's played varsity since she's a freshman. So she's kind of anchoring things a little bit. And, you know, and one of the feel good stories that Burley's got going on is they've been kind of waiting uh, the comeback of, of Ryland Payne. And she was one that had a foot injury and needed surgery. And they were finally able to get her in for the first time this season in the fourth and fifth sets for just a little bit. And uh, I mean, that's kind of an inspirational thing for the team to get her back. Um, and so they're getting some good minutes from, from some young kids, you know, Abby Noble, the setter, Ava Pratt, the utility player. I mean, all those kids are contributing right now as Burley still tries to find their own way after losing five seniors. So give them time to gel, but this was a huge program win for the Bobcats. And, you know, now they know they can do it. Can that be the glue that brings them together? I guess we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to watch, Scott. Uh, we are recording this on Thursday morning, September 14th. Tonight, September 14th, Burley hosts Canyon Ridge. Why not us? <laughs> why not? Really, exactly. So if they can knock off Twin and knock off Canyon Ridge, then why not us? So you can bet they're going to be up for that one. That's going to, That'll be a fun one. We may have to revisit this topic again next week seeing uh what happens with this match tonight with canyon ridge so uh before we duck out of here scott i also wanted to give a shout out to the mountain home girls soccer team uh they picked up a nine nothing win recently um in conference play over burley now we're we're going from one one side of burley to the other but mountain home gets this nine nothing win but in the process scott haley arisman scores six of the nine goals for mountain home 
uh, in the wind. She did the double hat trick. I, I've never yeah. seen that before. I, I haven't either, except on Madden or something like that, where <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bowl of Cheetos sitting next to me. But, uh, you know, that kind of stuff's unheard of. And uh, that, oh, good for her. Man, what a career day that was. Yeah, uh, good good win there for uh, hashtag Moho, the Mountain Home Tigers. And, boy, six goals in one game for Haley Arisman is pretty darn impressive but uh scott we want to wrap up the show with uh, our latest edition of scott's thoughts a refresher this is a new segment we're trying out uh where we give scott a topic uh about life about philosophy and it's kind of geared towards yes our our young men and women that are in the hallways at at high schools in the magic valley but also for us adults cuz we need refresher lessons sometimes too on how to act how to be productive members of society how to how to get through life how to navigate these murky waters and so uh, we're calling it Scott's Thoughts. Scott's got a lot of experience and a, a lot of wisdom that he can impart upon Ooh. all of us. <laughs> I don't know about that. I just have a lot of things going on up here. <laughs> right. Uh, the topic this week uh, was finding the motivation to do things that you don't want to do, but you know have to be done. There's all these things in life that we have to do. Uh, that we just don't look forward to. Like when we get done with this podcast, Scott, I got to go vacuum and mop my kitchen floors and I just don't want to do it, but uh, somebody's <laughs> got to do it. My wife's coming home today from, from a business trip and, you know, I got to have the house looking nice for her. So, but, uh, so I want to give you the, the floor here for Fine. Scott's thoughts. Well, you know what, when I, when I thought about this topic, I was thinking we could take this a lot of different ways. You know, we could take this um, to where we talk about people behind the scenes that, that make an event happen, whether it's, you know, the, the guy that mows the grass, that paints the field, that does the concession stand. I mean, those are all things that make an event happen uh, that have to be done. But I took it a different way. I took it to where if you wanted to be good at something, you've got to do the things that maybe you don't want to do that have to get done in order to be awesome. And so that's kind of the vein in which I approached it. So here we go. Um, see, we live in a world where it seems that everyone is scrambling to spend that moment in the spotlight. We chase the attention, we thirst for the glory, and we bask in the accolades. And we wait for everyone to pat us on the back and tell us how wonderful we are. In a way, the spotlight validates us. And to some of us, it doesn't matter how we got there as long as we're there, as long as we're seen. But for athletes living in this age of entitlement that we're living in, where we are expected to be given playing time, expected to be given a starting role, well, striving for something, earning your spot, your playing time, and putting in the work that has to be done, even though it's not fun, which is why they call it work, is something overlooked as we jockey for position in that spotlight. And the great ones, they know this. I had an old coach tell me, Scott, the season is a marathon and not a sprint, so enjoy the journey. And I thought about that. And that journey, well, it's filled with hard work that nobody cares about, sacrifice that nobody sees, all for an outcome that is earned. And it's that last word right there that trips people up, earned. Too many athletes skip the gym just to cut a corner. 
they cheat on that quiz because they didn't care to study. They don't push themselves in conditioning because, well, it's running, duh. But somehow, when the Friday night lights come on or the gym lights power up, the expected result is success. And they haven't put in the work. And to me, that's lunacy. You see, football games are 48 minutes, basketball games 32 minutes, but a single practice is nearly two hours long. And the average athlete puts in a minimum of 10 hours a week in practice just for a chance to shine when they get their shot in the game. But the question we need to ask is, isn't how long was practice? How many hours did we put in? The question is, what did you do in practice to make yourself better? How hard did you push yourself to get better? And the great ones, they know this. And that's the beauty of sports. Learning that success isn't born on the battlefield. It's cultivated on the practice field, the weight room, the film room, the classroom. And that it's every single day. You see, success doesn't just happen. It's the byproduct of doing things the right way. It's the result of being a good student because you know as an athlete, you're held to a higher standard. It's picking up that piece of trash that everyone walked by because you have pride in your school. It's opening the door for someone and being aware of your surroundings. It's showing respect for your teachers and coaches because it's the right thing to do. You know, some of these things aren't necessarily at the top of our fun list, but they have to be done in order to be successful. You see, everyone wants to be great, but not everyone wants to do what it takes to be great. In sports, as in life, we spend way too much time aimlessly chasing that moment with little regard on how to even get there. You know, the journey, the extra set of deadlifts, one more sprint, staying after practice, staying after class. It's a butterfly effect. One thing affects the other. Poor students are usually bad teammates. Bad teammates are usually bad citizens. You get the idea. So as we meander through this life where most people want the rewards but don't want to pay the price and only do what they want to do and not what they have to do, remember, it's that have-to-do part that helps make you a winner. And the great ones, they know this. And those are Scott's thoughts. Excellent. Nicely done. That was really good. I could tell you uh, worked and prepared uh, a lot for that. So, oh no, I just that was right, right off, right off the cuff, man. Just <laughs> yeah. the top of the head, you throw me something, boom, let's do this. <laughs> so and so and so that's the idea. Every week we're going to do Scott's thoughts. We'll give Scott a topic, uh, and he will uh, jot down some thoughts on the topic. And then once he's delivered Scott's thoughts, I will give him the new topic. We'll get his snap, quick judgment reaction. And then we'll give them a week to actually, you know, prepare some some thoughts. So the next topic I want to tackle, Scott, this is at the top of my mind because of uh, this whole thing with Ridgeview and Pocatello and this football game that was supposed to be played but didn't happen. And Pocatello and Ridgeview both tried to make it happen and it didn't work out. And so the next topic that I want to uh, give to you is honoring your commitments how do you go about honoring your commitments when things don't go as planned 
Um, I'm not, no, I'm not saying, you know, Pocatello and Ridgeview didn't honor their commitment. I'm just saying that taught that situation brought this topic to my mind. So how do you, how do you honor your commitments, Scott? Well, and that's a good one because that was a hot topic there for, for, for a hot minute. And, and it's still kind of in the, in the backdrop a little bit, but, but I really think you got to think about the messages that you're sending to the young people and the community that you represent. Um, because whether or not you choose to be a coach for whatever reason or involved for whatever reason, with that comes a certain amount of responsibility because you are not held to the same standard as the guy down the street. You are held to a higher standard. And so your commitments actually mean something because you've got too many people that are counting on those uh, and you're the leader of that. So you've got to make sure that you represent well. And that's my snap judgment on it. Um, I'll explore more of that and uh, have, have something better for you next week. But, but I think that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. And, and uh, it'll probably most weeks, the topic will be something related to something I saw on the news or something yeah. that's happening that is top of mind for me. So yeah, honoring your commitments is going to be next week's Scott's thoughts, okay. but Scott, Perfect. as always nicely done. Another magic Valley prep cast is in the books. He'll, he'll up. All right. Get some ice on that back. <laughs> I have been shocking myself through this entire <laughs> podcast. Oh my gosh. And now I got to get up. I got to go mow the football field. <laughs> Doing those things you don't want to do. That's... Yep. And then I got to go shopping for the concession stand because now I'm running the outside concession stand, shopping it, stocking it, cleaning it. Oh, all the things you don't want to do, but it has to get done. Yeah. All right. Don't forget the nacho cheese. That's a big popular. <laughs> <laughs> I always pack extra, my friend. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning into the Magic Valley Prepcast, everybody. Enjoy the competitions this weekend, and we'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.